Hello, everybody. Welcome to the She Said What podcast with your host, Alyssa Harper. That's me. And today we're going to be talking about pain during sex. So we're really going to be kind of talking about penetrative sex, mainly like pain when things are going into the vagina. That's kind of the topic of today. We're going to be talking about why this might be happening, what you can do, when to see a doctor, what doctors to see. We're going to be talking about the relationship effects that this can have. We're going to be talking about the personal emotional effects this can have. So it's going to be pretty, um, you know, holistic in how we talk about it. Whether you guys are listening today because you personally are struggling with this or you used to struggle with it or you have a friend who's struggling with it or you've never had sex before and you're just curious, like, of course, you are welcome here. And I know that you guys are going to leave today having learned something and you're going to have some things that you can actually practically do to work through this if it is a struggle of yours. So I hope you guys enjoy this topic. Let's get into it. So if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you would know that I normally do my honest thought segment where I basically share with you guys something that's come up in the last week that has been like quite honest for me, something I've had to kind of address in myself, but something I've grown from. And I think this is really necessary for us to do in general. And I really want to encourage you guys to do this, that throughout the week when things come up and you realize like, oh my gosh, this is something that I didn't realize I was this way, or I'd love to change this, or wow, I'm really surprised I reacted that way. You know, something that you see as like a growth opportunity. I want us to take those opportunities. So that's why I encourage you guys to follow this kind of like mindset growth hack, you know? So that's what I'm doing now. I'm going to share a quick little thought, something that came up this week. And it's based around the fact that Sam and I are actually moving this week. So we're moving from the area that I have lived in for two and a half years now um, to the beach, which is amazing. So exciting. And I'm like, I'm so hyped. You know, I cannot wait to be by the beach. It is just like a dream for me and it's going to be amazing. But at the same time, during this week, I've been a little bit stressed and I've been like, oh, like, I can't believe we're making this change. Like, what if it doesn't feel like home? What if like, you know, we're not used to the food places around and we're not used to the people. And like, what if it's weird? And I had a little bit of like a, not a meltdown, but you know, a little bit of a sucky moment the other night with Sam, my husband, by the way, I don't know if I said that earlier, but my husband, And I just kind of realized like, even though it's good change, it still is hard on me. And I'm quite um, scared of change. Like I'm actually, I really struggle with change, but I heard a quote this week that I wanted to share with you guys when I was kind of looking into it and trying to, you know, work on it. Cause that's the goal here. And it was just saying basically that you want to be the person to chase change. Don't let change chase you. And I really liked it because it's so true. Like I want to be someone who chooses to change things in my life. I want to be someone who chooses to step into things that challenge me. And I choose to step out of my comfort zone. I want to be that person. I don't want to be the person that's just thrown around by life and just does, you know, whatever comes my way. And I'm just you know, not willing to step into things on my own. I want to be that person that's like going above and beyond and choosing things that are actually scary. So anyways, I heard that quote and it honestly just changed my whole mindset. I was like, wait, hell yeah, change is a good thing. I'm going to let go of this and I'm going to try to be less anxious and I'm going to let that quote 
remind me that this is a good thing. So anyways, just wanted to share that with you guys. Hopefully that encourages you if you're going through any change right now, or especially for those of you who are in Sydney right now and we're about to come out of lockdown, that can actually be quite scary for a lot of people. Like I know even for me going back to work, it seems like a little bit crazy. Like (laughs) I'm like almost worried that what if I go back and, you know, I was so used to having all this time at home, you know, what if I don't actually like it? Like it can be scary. So I hope you guys take that, run with it and use it to encourage you around change. All right, that is all done. Now we're going to get into the topic of today's podcast. Before we do that, I just want to quickly make a little disclaimer that we are going to be talking about penetrative sex and obviously pain during that. Now, you know that because you've read the title, but if that's potentially triggering to you, I just want you to listen to this with some caution. And then secondly, If you are a part of the LGBTQ community, of course, you are so welcome here. I say this all the time, but I just like to reiterate this because I am going to be talking a lot in this episode about penis vagina sex. And because I'm talking so much about straight sex, I don't want you to think that (laughs) I'm not being inclusive in the way that I'm talking. Like, you can definitely still get something out of this. Um, Anyone who wants to put anything into their vagina could struggle with this. So we're going to be talking about that as a whole, even things like tampons, of course. So please feel welcome in this space, regardless of who you are, where you come from, your background, you know, if you've had sex before or how you identify. So when we're talking about this topic, I want to talk quickly about why might this happen and also when might this happen. So like I just mentioned, first of all, tampons can be an issue for some people. Um, Or we could be obviously talking about penises (laughs) or dildos or anything that you'd want to put up there for pleasure. Basically anything you want to put up there can you can notice that you have this issue then. It can be a physiological issue, like it can be purely physical. It can be psychological, like it can be caused by trauma or even just um, the way that you're thinking about sex in general. It can be something like vaginismus, which is involuntary muscle tensing or tensing of the vagina. Some people call it like spasms as well. You'll hear people kind of explain it that way. Um, There's also a difference between when people have burning versus friction pain. Like that's actually quite a bit of a different type of pain. It can even be caused by something like endometriosis, which is where the tissue that normally lines the inside of your uterus grows on the outside of your uterus. So obviously that could cause a lot of pain. Um, We could even be talking about things like growths in the vagina, fibroids, cysts. So there's a lot of things that could be causing these issues, even STDs can be causing these issues. So I don't want this list of things to scare you. I don't want you to think that you have all of these things suddenly if you have pain. Like I said, it could literally just be that you need to try some things um, to get yourself more prepared for putting things into your vagina. It could just be that you need to implement some of the little tips and tricks that we are going to talk about in this episode. Um, But those are kind of the reasons why that might be happening for you or situations where you might have figured out you're having some issues. 
There's an article from the Mayo Clinic, and it's really good. It really breaks this all down, and I take some of the information from that article. So just so you know, that's going to be linked in the show notes. And throughout this podcast, I'm going to be sharing with you guys a bit of like my story as well with this, because the only reason I'm actually sharing on this is because I do have my own experience with this. And it's something that I definitely always really thought was just like normal. And I just thought everyone had it. And it's very, very normalized in our culture, but it's not actually like necessary. And there are a lot of things that you can do um, to help your way through this. Of course, for some people, like things like endometriosis or if you have cysts or if it is like a really um, solid, you know, physical problem that you're working with um, a doctor on that kind of thing, like Sometimes there is a certain point that you can only work up to, but a lot of us, there are things that we can do practically to work on having pain specifically during sex. And I want to talk about those things quickly now. I've talked about before how I grew up like very Christian and I still would say that I'm a Christian, but it just looks so different now. And when my husband and I first got married, I had had sex with other people before and it had always been like somewhat painful, but I never really thought that was a bad thing. Like I I was planning on talking about this a little bit later on, but I feel like it's just coming up now. Like when people would say like, oh, she's not gonna be able to walk the next day or trust me, it was so good. Like I can barely walk that kind of thing. And you hear that in shows and it's just like a weird popular thing to say in our culture. Like I used to think it was normal because of comments like that. And I hate hearing stuff like that now. I think it's so ridiculous and I understand if some people like that or they don't mind it, you know, or it's just like in their mind that cues to them that it was good. I don't know. Like there's no judgment towards that, but it wasn't necessarily a good thing for me. Like if I could have really enjoyable sex, but without the pain, I would have chosen that. I just didn't know that it was like a thing. And I didn't know that there were things that you could do to actually work towards that. So yes, when my husband and I first got married, we decided like, to actually, you know, grow our sexual relationship and really try to obviously have sex. Because before that, mentally, we were both in a place where we were like, oh, we probably shouldn't be having sex because we weren't married yet. Because obviously we were like surrounded by very, very Christian people at the time. And this is what's kind of hard to communicate to you guys sometimes is like, you probably wouldn't fully understand it. But when we first got married, we both were like just coming out of Bible college. Like we were like hella Christian, you know? So we were quite not closed minded, but we just felt very judged. And we made a lot of choices based off of like what people around us were kind of like saying, and there's a lot of shame, you know, around sex in the church and all that kind of stuff. So anyways, we tried basically, I'm, I'm doing air quotes. You can't see me. I'm doing air quotes because we tried not to have sex, but obviously we had sex. Um, but once we got married, we were like, okay, let's actually really work on this. Let's try to have like a good, you know, healthy sexual relationship. Let's talk about growing sexually and all this kind of stuff. Like we almost kind of gave ourselves permission, even though it was just because we got married. Anyways, I think it's a little bit ridiculous now looking back to be completely honest, but that's just when we first started having sex, when we got married, I brought up to him at one point, I was like, it actually is quite painful. Like it's quite sore. And after we have sex, like I feel, you know, quite sore. Like I'm kind of just getting up slowly. And especially when I go to the bathroom afterwards, like it quite, like it hurts to pee. Like it actually stings quite a bit. And he was like, wow, like I didn't know that. Like, I really didn't know that you felt that. And he automatically felt really sorry for me. He felt really bad. And he was like, 
can I do anything? Or can you tell me next time? Like he felt like he was doing something bad to me. And he also knows of course, my history as well. And I've had very negative sexual experiences. So he felt, you know, he's heard me talk about that kind of stuff and trauma related things around that. So he was like, oh my gosh, I don't want to like make that worse. And I don't want to trigger you. And I don't want to cause issues for you. And once we kind of talked about it and I started relating the two things, I started to realize that a big reason why I didn't say anything to him was because I kind of felt like I just shouldn't, or like, I didn't want to interrupt our sex. So I'm going to talk more about the relationship aspect later in the podcast, but right now I want to talk about what we did. So automatically he was like, I want you to do something. Like, I want you to, you know, go see a doctor, go do something. Like maybe you go to counseling, like see if it's an emotional issue, whatever it is. And so I actually made an appointment with a sexologist and he was very supportive in it and was really the person that pushed me to do it. But I went to go see a sexologist. And the reason I recommend going to see a sexologist when you're having this issue is because they can help you with so many things. They can help you talk about the emotional side of it, how it affects your self-esteem and what you feel like you should be able to do and you know what you can't do and how that affects your self-esteem and you know ask you how it affects your relationship and your sexual relationship and you know your marriage or whatever it is that's really helpful they can give you actual tips on how to physically work through the issues that you're having um they can potentially even understand why it's happening and they can say oh is it it's tightening of the muscles and you feel like you're really tight okay maybe you can go see this type of doctor and they can kind of help you sort out what might be going on with their knowledge that's pretty like wide about the topic and they can actually help you figure out which kind of doctor to go to. They might send you to a pelvic floor specialist, for example, or a gynecologist or an endocrinologist, which will really help you look into your hormones and, you know, something like birth control, for example, that can actually cause a lot of vaginal dryness, which I talk about um, in my birth control podcast. You guys are curious about that. I think it's one, it's one of the first ones that I put out, but I talk a lot there about birth control and all of the things it could potentially do to you and the, you know, negative side effects. And that's actually a really common negative side effect is having low libido. So like a low urge to have sex, a low urge to or want to have sex. And then also the physical implications that it can have as well. So from there, I saw my sexologist. I actually didn't end up going to go see any of these doctors because she actually just completely helped me with this. And if you guys are in the area, I can definitely recommend her to you. So please feel free to message me if you want that recommendation. But with her, she really helped me with having specific tips on how to move forward. So I'm going to share those things with you guys now because this is like a free little sexologist moment for you. So first of all, she encouraged us to start using lube, which we kind of were using it before, but not even really that much. And it was kind of this thing that I was like a little hesitant about. And I didn't want him to think that I was like, I don't know, needing something for sex. Like, I don't know how to explain it. I think that a lot of the time when you think your body's supposed to work a certain way and, you know, you're just like, oh, I'm supposed to be like that. And I wasn't feeling that in my body, especially I was on birth control as well. So I like really wasn't feeling that. And it felt quite dry and I'd get quite embarrassed. Like if we would be halfway through having sex and it would start to hurt, I would feel embarrassed to kind of stop and start and like say like, oh, can we start using more spit or lube or whatever? Because I'd be like, oh, like I feel bad. I'm supposed to be like, at this point, like so wet. And he's going to think I'm not enjoying it because I'm not wet, which wouldn't have been true, but it's easy to get into your head. 
So that was something she really encouraged us to use was to get like a proper good lube. And I wanted to make a little note here as well. I know we are talking about sex, but if you struggle to put in a tampon, I would recommend using lube as well. I talk about this in my masturbation podcast. Oh no, it's the period product podcast. Sorry, there's a a lot going on here. So I talk about that in the, the period products podcast because I talk about putting in a menstrual cup and how I actually use lube literally every time to put it in because I find it hard to put in. But once I use lube, it's like amazing. So literally even just to put in a tampon, you can try using lube. Number two was she told us basically to just have more foreplay, which is not that we weren't having more, you know, just touching and kissing and all that kind of stuff, you know, foreplay beforehand, but we just weren't like kind of doing it in the way that she was recommending. So what she recommended specifically is stimulate the opening of the vagina before penetration. So to even kind of like go, this is going to get a little graphic. So sorry if you're listening and you know me personally, you're learning a lot about my sex life, but to not just touch the clitoris before penetration, but to really rub around the area of the opening of the vagina. So with your fingers or your tongue, or obviously your partner's tongue, I don't think you could make your way down there, but with, you know, their tongue, um, or even like a toy, whatever you find would be the best for you and would be the most stimulating for you. But the point is to really stimulate that area as well, because you have a whole bunch of nerve endings that are all around your vagina and it's it's so sensitive and if you can kind of touch those areas and prepare that area that there is something in that area that wants to go in and you can kind of just slightly put your finger in a little bit and just you know a little bit by bit by bit even with just a finger and then potentially maybe go to two fingers to you know kind of open up a little bit and get used to that first before doing like penis to vagina penetration, that can make it so much more comfortable. And it even kind of like lubes up inside of your vaginal walls into up, up into your vagina before the penis goes in. Because you can imagine like picture if you have your vagina, it's completely dry, right? And you're not using any lube. And then you take a penis that has lube on it, which, you know, is great. You have a penis with lube or like a condom, penis with condom and then lube, and you're going to put that in. It's good that there's, you know, con- lube on the condom, but if you're not wet inside, you might just get to the opening, but then it might get stuck there. And then you might have internal pain, which you don't want to have either. So really like, lubing up the area, warming up the area, touching around the area, especially at the opening of the vagina, and even fingering into the vagina and getting lube up into there can really help to prepare it. Okay? Sorry if that was graphic. (laughs) One other thing I wanted to add is obviously it's not just touching the vagina, the opening of the vagina, but obviously the vulva as well. So when we're talking about the vulva, we're talking about the outside, like the external part of what you might call your vagina, but it's actually your vulva. Many, many women cannot orgasm or even really feel like that much of a sensation without clitoral stimulation. And that's obviously for me, like that's, I know personally, a big part of it for me. So if there's no touching of the clitoris before going into like penetrative sex, like it's game over. Like that's just not happening Um, for me personally. 
there are a lot of women that can literally just go right into penetrative sex and they're super happy with it and they find it like really, really enjoyable and they can come, you know, they can orgasm just from penetrative sex, but a lot of women can't. So if you've never heard that, hopefully you have, but if you haven't heard that that is completely normal, that is completely normal. And if during masturbation, for example, you only actually really touch around your your vulva and you touch your clitoris, but you don't put anything inside at all, that's totally fine. That's completely normal. There's nothing wrong with not wanting something in there. And even when it comes to partnered sex, when you are, you know, having sex with whoever, whether it is a long-term partner or it's some random person that you're just having sex with, you don't have to have penetrative sex for it to be good. Like, and I've talked about this in um, my masturbation podcast as well, but mutual masturbation, for example, is a really, really great way to show your partner what you like, like what you normally do to satisfy yourself. And so they can see, oh, okay, that's really interesting. I didn't think that you did, you know, that kind of um, movement, or I didn't realize that you touched so lightly, or I didn't realize that you actually don't put anything inside of you. For example, all these things, like this is good information for your partner. You're actually setting them up to be able to, first of all, satisfy you, which is something that's going to make them happy because everybody wants to make sure that their partner is satisfied. A lot of people feel like, you know, that pressure. So that's going to be good for them. And obviously it's good for you as well too, because it's extra pleasure for you. Like it's really growing that sexual relationship. So I always recommend mutual masturbation and communicating what it is that actually makes you feel aroused because what I was trying to explain earlier with touching all those little areas and everything, what we're trying to do is to make that area aroused. It's to make you want that and to make you want to have something in there. And it's to prepare your body for it. Like if your body's thinking like, Ooh, okay, I want that. I'm ready. Your body physically reacts to it and it prepares for it. Another thing you guys can do as well, if you have a partner who has a penis, they can take their penis and they can rub the end of it onto the opening of your vagina or like the the tip of it onto the opening of your vagina. And that also prepares your body and kind of signals to your body that that's what you're about to do. If you don't like fingering that much or there's just like it feels scratchy to you or kind of uncomfortable to you, you can always get a dildo or like a smaller toy, something that is a little bit smaller than his penis for a bit of a warm up as well. Another thing that really worked for us as well, which is something that the sexologist shared with me, um, I've lost count at this point, by the way, with how many things she (laughs) gave us. So we're just, I'm just shooting them out at this point. Um, She said to think about your pelvic floor muscles and to think about the muscles around your vagina, especially at the opening. And you might not realize it. And right now, what, however you're sitting, you might either be clenching your pelvic floor up and you might be holding those muscles really tight towards your body, or you might have them relaxed and released. And a lot of the time when it comes to sex, we don't realize it, but we almost kind of suck up our pelvic floor muscles up towards our tummy. It's like, if you're trying to stop yourself from going to the bathroom, that's what it feels like that pulling up feeling. Or like if you've just gotten in really cold water and you go and you pull it up, that's, you know, something that you might be doing when you're having sex and you might not realize it. And it can come from a lot of different places. It can come from anxiety and being nervous about, anything to do with sex. Like a lot of the time it's to, it's anxiousness. Um, but it could even be a physical reaction to previous trauma and things like that. 
obviously specifically sexual trauma and um, sexual assault, things like that, that could have happened in the past. That is a huge um, common reaction that you'll get. So that's something that I would think about the next time that you are in that situation and see if it helps because that was a huge um, thing for us and that shifted it dramatically. And almost even, again, this is another little TMI moment, but almost even pushing out a little bit, like almost like you're trying to pee. Now, obviously you're not going to make yourself pee. Okay. So don't worry. I mean, at least I don't think you will. Maybe don't push that hard, you know, but just pushing out a little bit just to kind of like open up and give them that space to actually come in. Because you could only imagine if you are pulling everything up really, really tight, that's not going to be something easy for them to enter. So that was just another really interesting one. You can look into that more and I'll see if I can find some sort of resource and leave that in the show notes as well, because that's something that it can get quite detailed. Um, and there's a lot of like anatomy even that goes along with that. So it might be interesting to look into that fully, but I just wanted to bring that up here because that actually changed that whole experience and really, really helped me quite a bit. And lastly, when it comes to the tips and the things you can actually practically do, I would say as well, you should want to have sex. Like we'll talk about this more when we talk about the emotional side of stuff and the relationship stuff. But if you don't want to have sex and you're just trying to get yourself to want to have sex for the sake of your partner, your body might not respond well. And it's likely that if you are thinking in your head, I don't want to do this, but I'm going to do it for my partner, which again, can get really sketchy, coercy. We'll talk about that later. But if you don't really want to, and you're thinking, I don't want to, but you're trying to get your body to do it, it might not respond in a way that it's preparing to have sex because you're kind of telling it. And if, you know, it's actually kind of a good sign that your mind and your body are quite connected, but that's another thing I just wanted to kind of throw in there now, just so you're thinking about it when it comes to the actual practical parts of it. If you don't want to, or you're scared, or you're thinking, oh, it's going to hurt again, just like it hurt last time, your body might be responding to that. Because I knew this was a super common issue and I've had lots of conversations with women about this and a lot of women saying like, oh, I just thought it was normal or thought that's, you know, what everyone had. I decided to ask on my stories some questions to you guys about this. And so I'm going to go through quickly some of the questions that I asked, how you guys responded, and then I'm going to share some specific stories that you guys have sent through. So one of the questions I asked was talking about sex is dot, dot, dot. 17 of you said always hard. Seven of you said hard if it's not during sex. 11 of you said especially hard during sex. And 64 of you said it's always comfortable for you to talk about. So it's good. I think a lot of you actually are quite comfortable talking about it, which is amazing. But then there's also 17 of you that have said always hard. And these are just the people that are honestly going to respond comfortably and they don't care if they tell me that information. But I'm sure there were many other people who would have responded um, that it's difficult for them if they were comfortable to do that. Obviously, you can't do it anonymously on Instagram. So that's probably why you wouldn't get a lot of that, but you get people feeling basically all across the board on that one. And I understand it can be definitely hard to talk about. So that's why I try to talk about it as much as I can on this podcast. Like, you know, I want to balance things out a little bit, but I definitely want to be talking about sex pretty regularly because I think it's just so important. Secondly, I asked, I experienced pain during sex, dot, dot, dot. Four of you said all the time. 17 said most of the time. 91 said sometimes. And 30 said never. So 
I have had some people that have said to me, I have actually never had pain during sex. And I think it's really weird because everyone talks about like painfully losing your virginity and all this stuff. And that's literally never happened to me. And that's amazing. (laughs) That's so good. And I'm happy that there is all kinds of experiences and, you know, all of it is so valid. Like that's so, you know, that's great. I'm glad that you don't have any pain. Um, but I totally understand as well that a lot of people envy that a lot of people really wish that they had that like the 91 of you that said sometimes the 17 of you that said most of the time and four of you that said all of the time. So there's a lot of people there really is. And again, these numbers are people who are comfortable sharing with me personally, something very personal about their sexuality. So there's going to be higher numbers across the board. Generally, this is just from you guys. So the third question is if this happened, so if you felt pain during sex and you were with a partner, you would dot, dot, dot. And I had 53 of you said, stop immediately and tell your partner, which is great. 30 of you said, feel bad, but tell them you need to stop. 30 of you said, keep going and fight through it. And nine of you said, I thought everyone felt pain, question mark, question mark, question mark. So this question was all about just getting a vibe for how comfortable people actually are with communicating to their sexual partner, whether or not they're in pain. And a lot of people feel bad saying something or they just choose to keep going and fight through it. One thing I wanted to say specifically about that point is I had a few girls reach out and say, the reason I keep going and fight through it is because it only hurts at the start, but then the pain kind of goes away as we keep going. And I would have honestly chosen that one when Sam and I first got married, because that's what I used to do. It used to kind of hurt at the start, but then, you know, once he started going, I'd kind of get over it and I'd kind of get used to it. And I don't know what would happen. Maybe I wouldn't say that it was so painful that it would numb or anything like that, but I would just kind of get warmed up and I'd get used to it. But the problem is, is afterwards, then I would be in pain. So even though it only properly hurt at the start and then by the end of it, I was kind of like chilling out and actually like enjoying it or whatever, the pain at the start, then affected me after sex. So then I would go pee and it would hurt then, or the next day, if we wanted to have sex again, it would be too sore for us to have sex again. So I still knew there was something I wanted to work on. Like I knew it wasn't where I wanted it to be. And for some of you, this might not be true. Like for some of you genuinely, if you are in pain and then you keep going and you kind of fight through it. And then by the end of it, you feel completely fine. And then the next day you're fine and it doesn't hurt to pee or anything like that, then that's great. And if that works for you, again, there's no judgment towards if that's something you want to do. But I just, for me, it wasn't necessary. And I don't, I don't want people to think that that is your only option to work through this. Okay, awesome. I'm going to read through your guys' experiences, anything you sent through about this topic now. So the first one, she said, after our first baby, we didn't have sex for six months because it was too painful, but my husband was super supportive. Wow. See, so many things I honestly don't know about childbirth, you know, and having a child, because obviously I don't have any children. And I think it is so interesting to hear women's experiences and to know what is, you know, potentially going to happen around that time, because I just feel like I've never heard that. Like, I'm sure that experience is actually quite like popular or not popular, but it's, um, what's the word common? Yes. It's quite common, but like people just don't talk about it. So, you know, that's why we're doing this. Okay, guys, (laughs) this is why we have to talk. 
Another girl said, okay, realness, sometimes when his penis is extra hard and he puts it in super fast and not slow, it can feel more like a stab. <laughs> and her and I actually talked about this for a little bit because it's it's exactly what we're talking about. Like it's pain during penetration and a lot of people don't know what to do about it and don't know if there's options and kind of just push through it. But obviously there are some things you can do if you want to work on this. So hopefully you guys can take some of these tips from today. I had another girl who messaged me and she said, consistent pain can be an indication of an STD or STI. I mentioned earlier the whole STD thing. I realized I should have said STI, but especially if bleeding happens, she said. She also sent in as well, pain as an STD symptom can take longer to show up versus a visible one, i.e. extra discharge, which you know you can see. But if you're not regularly having penetrative sex, but then you suddenly do, then that symptom might come up. So it can be a symptom of an STI, STD. And what I have to say to this one is, first of all, I don't want you to go, oh my God, maybe I have a STD <laughs> because it's not, you know, super, super likely that you just do out of nowhere, especially if you can't track back to when that might've happened. But I do always recommend getting regularly tested for STDs. So if you don't already get regularly tested, then I would recommend going and doing that to rule it out. But also please don't freak out over this um, one mention of it. The next one I got, um, she wrote, I thought it just always hurts for everyone and finally found out that I have endometriosis, LOL, which she put LOL, but I'm sure it was not an LOL situation because this is why it's worth talking about guys. Like people have things like endometriosis, PCOS, like things that are proper issues that you want to be able to work through. And when I say proper issues, I think that sounds bad. I don't mean it in a, like in a judgy way or anything like that. Of course, it's more to say that if you have these kinds of issues, you want to be able to do stuff about it. You want to know the research around the, you know, the illness or the disease or the, the thing that even just your struggle, the things that are happening in your lives. Like you want to hear other people's stories. You want to know what should I be aware of? Like what can, you know, what kind of cancers and things can be caused in the future? What kind of issues might I have with my hormones or my sex life or fertility, all these kinds of things that can be affected by these different issues. I'm not saying specifically endometriosis or PCOS, or if you have any of these things, you're not going to be able to have kids or whatever. I'm not saying that, but what I'm saying is that it, you need to know this stuff. It would be so good for you to know this stuff. And a lot of the time women aren't encouraged to be curious about their bodies and to learn more and to do the research and whatever, because there obviously isn't enough research in the first place. Um, women tend to get healthcare that isn't as sufficient, isn't as, um, you know, full and fully laid out for you and isn't as detailed by the doctors. Um, women tend to not get that healthcare that, you know, we should be getting. And so we're not even encouraged in the first place to care about our pain. You know, you go to the doctor and you say, oh, I'm kind of having this pain and whatever. And they, they downplay it and they say, oh, well, keep an eye on it and let me know, you know, whereas we want to be going, no, I actually really want to deal with this. Who can I go see? What can I do about it? So Anyways, I just wanted to point out that I really wanted to say this one to you guys because imagine, like imagine if you were just having painful sex all the time and you're like, oh, I think it's normal, whatever. And then you find out you have something like this and you didn't know that whole time, you know? Anyways, the next one is I have found the pain usually goes away, but I would stop and say something if it got worse, which is, you know, great. 
And like I said earlier, it might be fine for some of you that you want to just kind of push through that first bit. And then by, you know, once after a few minutes of having penetrative sex, you start to feel completely fine. Maybe that's fine for you. Um, but maybe there are some things you can also implement. So you don't have to have any of that pain at the start as well. So of course, do with that what you want to. And I had another chat with another girl as well. And she said, there's nothing I can do about it. I don't think question mark. I did many ultrasounds and they did nothing for me. I used to bleed after sex pretty bad. I have reoccurring cysts that burst and legit, they feel like death. So her and I've been chatting a little bit about this because obviously her situation is a bit complicated and there's a lot going on. And again, if you guys are in these situations and you think that it's crazy and you are completely alone and like you are broken or something, that is not true. Okay. There are so many women that have these struggles and it can look like so many different things. It can be caused by so many different things and it can be fixed in so many different ways. So I I just thought it was important to share her story as well, because we all have stories of crazy shit that's going on in our lives. And, you know, especially medically, it can be really, really scary. So I just want you guys to know that you aren't alone if something like this is happening to you as well. And to definitely take time to look into it and to look after your health and to care for it and to figure out what's going on so you can have the best plan going forward. So that is everything that you guys said. Thank you so much for sharing your stories with me. I really appreciate hearing individual specific stories, especially from you guys, because it's cool because I feel like there's a bit of a community that's kind of forming here just through this podcast, which is super cool. And I was going to say as well, I was thinking of making a Facebook group or something where we can all kind of congregate and have a little chit chat and even share stories after we've listened to the podcast or thoughts that we had. So if you guys want something like that, reach out to me on Instagram and DM me because that will, you know, show me that that is definitely necessary for us. And I'll definitely set that up because I think that could be a really cool way for you guys to all, you know, hear each other's stories even more than just me sharing it here on the podcast. All right. Now we're going to talk about, first of all, personally, what this can do to you emotionally, stuff that I kind of learned through my sexologist and something I think would be worthy of sharing with you guys now, just to kind of give you some support in it and to kind of even help you understand, say, your partner or your friend or whoever, you know, could be struggling with this in your life. Also, if you're listening to this and you have a vagina, or honestly, even if you don't, there are vaginas all around you. So it's good for you to know this kind of stuff. It's good for you to know what people could be struggling with. So if someone ever is honest with you and they share something like this, you can go, oh yeah, I actually know a lot about that. And here's all this information and I can actually help you and support you. Like, how cool is that? You know? So let's try to be that for each other. One thing that really comes out when people struggle with this is shame because you, and I said this before in the podcast, but you expect your body to do a certain thing, to look a certain way, to be a certain way. And a lot of that does come from things like porn. And, you know, we've all seen porn. I'm not saying we all consistently watch porn. I personally don't consistently watch porn, which I talk about in my masturbation podcast. If you guys want to know why I don't watch porn, but we've all seen it, you know, we have all watched it at some point and in porn, you don't see them talking about being in pain. Like, I mean, at least I hope not, but in porn, you're not talking about, you know, using lube and going slowly and, and making sure everything's all comfortable. And a lot of the time you're not seeing any consent at all. Like it's just, it's a whole mess. (laughs) And of course, you're not going to think that you need to go on a bit of like a sexual journey with yourself and to learn about yourself sexually and do all this kind of stuff. Because in porn, you just 
You just think, oh, everyone is just wet all the time and ready to have whatever of anything, like any size slammed into them at any time. And it's all good. And <laughs> and they love it. And they have the time of their life. Oh my God, give me more. But like, yo, like that, I'm sorry, but that's not how it is for so many women. So, so many women. And, you know, if you are down for whatevs at any time and you're always wet, like, you live your best life, girl. But a lot of people don't feel that. So I want to make sure that you guys know that that is not the expectation. That is not the norm. And porn can be very toxic. Um, and of course, it isn't real. And I want you to know that that isn't where you should be getting your um, sexual education, if anything. It can definitely be very detrimental to having like a healthy sex life. So again, no judgment if you watch porn. Like if you enjoy porn and you can say genuinely like it makes my sex life better and it makes my masturbation better and I can watch porn and feel completely confident about it and especially if you watch ethical porn I honestly wouldn't support or really condone you know anything like Pornhub but say you watch ethical porn and you you think it really helps your sex life and maybe you watch it with a partner and you guys really enjoy it and you learn about sex education in other ways and you have a really holistic view of sex in general and porn's included in that then of course there's no judgment in that that's just it just doesn't like align with me personally but I get it like if that's good for you then that's good for you the other thing on top of this mindset of what our body is supposed to do or what it's supposed to look like is also just that we want to. Like if you want to have sex and you have that libido there and you really want to actually have penetrative sex and you've even, especially if you've had times where you have enjoyed it and now it's just not working or you're finding it's really painful suddenly or like you have suddenly noticed that this is a thing that you can actually work on. So now every time you have sex, you're like, oh my gosh, this pain is like crazy. You know, that can be really frustrating when you just really, really want to have sex and what that can do is create this like separation from yourself. And it can obviously as well make you angry at yourself and angry at your body. Like you see this with any health challenge. This is really common um, where people start to feel this like resentment against their body or like their body is betraying them in a way. So if you've ever felt that, that's completely normal. And what I want to talk about now is moving forward in it and what you can actually do. And these are things I've learned from kind of researching it. And then on top of that, my sexologist, the first word I want you to really remember is claiming. So claiming what you can and can't do, whether this is something that is temporary or it's indefinite, it is something that you can do and something you can't do right now. So you can have a list of things. Can I do penetrative sex right now with what I know about my, with my body and the, the pain I'm potentially experiencing? Can I have penetrative sex? If it's no right now, that's fine and own it, you know? And if you are in a relationship with someone saying to someone, okay, honestly, I need to tell you about this thing. It has been painful for me. I don't actually think I want to do penetrative sex at all right now. I want to just do other stuff or I want to work on it together. And you want to obviously have that partner that's going to be willing to help you work, move forward in it and work on it. But specifically, I want you just to remember claiming it and for you personally, just claiming it for yourself. Because again, with like any medical issue that we have, that is a huge thing that people need to do. And I think as well, I wanted to say that you can still be rough and passionate without vaginal pain. Like you can still have rough, fun sex and like you can, I don't know, do like spanking and use different toys and do things to make it rough and fun and, and like high energy. If that's what you want, it doesn't have to be painful. And that is something when we first got married that 
I talked to my sexologist about because I was like, I don't know, when I think of sex, I think of like fast, passionate, like, you know, Sam comes home from work and I'm in lingerie and he like sweeps me off my feet. And like, and I used to really have that like, I don't know, like aggressive, like really intense mindset around sex. And again, of course that can be really fun, but that's not what sex always looks like. And getting that out of our mind and being able to go, okay, you know what, what I think I'm supposed to be like, I'm going to throw that away. And I'm going to picture for myself right now, who am I sexually? What do I actually like? And what can I claim for myself? So that might actually be something you want to sit down and you want to do as a little practice. Cause I did this at one point, I actually sat down with a journal and I wrote down for myself what do I know that I like sexually, first of all? And secondly, what do I want to see in myself sexually? What would I actually like to try? Like, how open am I to trying different things? Am I actually comfortable talking during sex? Am I actually comfortable with eye contact during sex? All those things, it's really interesting to ask yourself that because you can learn a lot about yourself and you can then claim for yourself what you can and can't do, what you like and don't like. And it's good to know yourself that way. Something I wanted to add, you know, what was really fun as well about really looking into everything is my sexologist pushed me to write like a little questionnaire for Sam. It was like super makeshift and so fun. And I asked him, I think I asked him, how many times a week would you have sex? You know, if you could choose, is there anything you'd want to try? Like, do you have any like fantasy kind of things? Um, just a few questions like what is my favorite thing or what's your favorite thing that I do for you sexually or like what's your favorite like move or whatever. Um, What do you enjoy doing to me the most? Like what do you actually enjoy doing? You know, Um, what's your favorite sex memory of ours? Like that's just a few questions, you know, that we kind of like talked about together and it was so fun. So I know it seems a little bit much and you might be thinking like, oh my God, like my boyfriend would never or like he just wouldn't talk to me about that kind of stuff. Like I felt that way a little bit about Sam as well. Um, but I was able to get him to do it. And I was so surprised at how open he was and like for it he was. So, you know, give it a try, even just potentially saying to your partner, like, you know, of course this is, if you have a partner, that's why I'm not going to talk about this for too, too long, just in case, you know, some of you guys don't, especially after lockdown and everything. I think a lot of people are kind of like just hanging out, waiting for um, a a chance, a chance to get out there again. But anyways, (laughs) it's always good if you can talk to your partner about sex outside of a sexual context. It is always so much easier to be honest and you don't have this pressure of being like, oh, I don't want to ruin the moment, like, or you don't feel, you know, obviously pressure. Oh, hello, voice crack. You don't feel this pressure that they are, you know, wanting to be satisfied in that moment. Like, it's just a good time if it's, if you can outside of actually having sex to talk about it. And yeah, it was just a really good experience. And it was so good because it made it easier to talk about it and to be honest when we actually were having sex, if anything came up. And, you know, sometimes it just happened where I'd go, oh, okay, it's a little sore. Let's just try this. And we would just try something different and it would be fine. But to be completely honest, sometimes it was hard for me. Like this was a, what I'm saying, this was a whole journey, guys. This was a whole journey. And seeing the sexologist was really important for me because I needed to work through the emotional stuff as well for sure. 
like I said, sometimes it was super chill and we tried something else and it would be great, you know, but other times like we would be mid having sex and I would burst out in tears and it sucked, you know, like it really did suck. And obviously automatically Sam would be like, oh my gosh, it's, it's okay. You know, of course, thank you for telling me like, yes, let's stop whatever. And we would just, you know, stop there dead in our tracks. And other times it would be great and we'd be able to continue. But you might have both experiences and both are perfectly fine. It's all progress towards working towards what you guys want, which is obviously sex that feels good for both of you. The second word I wanted to bring up is acceptance. So yes, claiming it, but then you need to go and you need to genuinely accept it. Something like penis size. They can't really change. Like uh, to my knowledge, there isn't anything you can actually really do to change that. You know, another example of that physically is what our vulva looks like. Some people feel like they're vagina their or their vulva, I should say, looks weird or it looks big or it is like it all sits in really like in close, really tight and it's too tight. Or some people think, oh, it's too loose and it's all sitting on the outside and it actually kind of hangs down a bit. But that's all normal. Like we all are going to be so different. We're all going to have completely different looking vulvas and that's perfectly fine. But again, that's something that we need to accept. Like, you know, you actually can change that and you can get surgeries and you can do things, but ideally what you want to do is accept it. And of course, I always say this, but I'm not going to judge you if you go and get anything done, of course, but why spend the money and the time and the effort and all of that because of an insecurity when it's something so personal like that? That's just, I don't know. That's just me. I don't want you to feel like you can't do that. It's not really, you know, that crazy common, but it's good for us to be able to sit there and, and look at our vaginas and look at our vulvas and really accept it for what it is. And even going and taking a mirror and looking at it. And I said this in my masturbation podcast as well, taking a mirror and looking at it and looking, oh, wow, this side might be a little bit bigger than this side. And oh, I'm like, look how this, like, I don't know, look at how big my clitoris is or how small it is or or how exposed it is, or how hooded it is, like hooded it is. Yeah, you got that right. Okay. <laughs> like all those things makes you, you, and that's such a beautiful thing. And we should really celebrate that. So accepting that. Um, another thing as well is like a lot of people need to accept even how they are when it comes to their sexuality and emotionally and how those things tie in. Like some people need to have an emotional connection with someone to have sex with them. But some people don't need that. And I've definitely heard people talk about sex before and say, I wish I could just like go have sex with whoever, have fun, live my best life, and then never talk to them again. But I can't do that. Like emotionally, I'm just not capable of doing that. And I don't think I'll ever be like that, but I, I want to be able to be like that. And I've definitely heard people say that, for example. So even that you need to accept who you are when it comes to your, your emotions and sex and how they tie in. And that's something that might just be, you know, who you are right now that might change in three years, five years, 10 years, who knows, right? But accepting who you are right now and just being okay with like, that's what I like. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Even with, I think, sex being talked about more and more and more now in society, which is so good, sometimes you can feel a bit of a pressure to be like a little bit crazy when it comes to sex, like to want to try all these crazy positions and to want to, you know, use all these crazy toys and these like extravagant things or dressing up and all these things. And if you like that, that's great and that's fun. And I hope you enjoy that. But if you don't like that and you just want to chill and you don't really like dressing up, you honestly just don't really want to use toys and maybe some lube to help with friction stuff. But other than that, like you and your partner are just like chill, like you love some good vanilla sex, then love your sex. Like there's nothing wrong with that either, you know? 
And lastly, I would just say, if you do come to the end of this and you find out that you have some sort of condition, or you even just know right now that this is a struggle of yours, look into it, read into it, read other people's stories. I say this for almost any issue that people have in their lives is look up people's stories about it. Reading other people's stories and realizing that you're not alone and hearing what other people have done in these situations is so encouraging. And for me, at least, has given me so much peace in situations where I've felt like I'm crazy and I've felt like I'm alone or like I shouldn't be having these thoughts or why am I this way or am I weird for looking this way? And you know what? Oh my gosh, just came to my mind that I want to share with you guys is there is a show on Netflix called The Goop Lab with Gwyneth Paltrow. You might have heard about it and she talks about it. That sounded so weird. She talks about like sex and like energy and like emotional stuff, like women's stuff, a whole bunch of stuff. It's really cool. But there's an episode called The Pleasure is Ours. I just went and found it so I could reference it for you guys. But it talks about women's pleasure and it's all done by a sex educator called Betty Dodson. And it's it's so interesting. You guys need to go watch it because in this episode, they actually show a bunch of different vulvas and they show like, like flat pictures of people's vulvas, which is so cool because, you know, normally you can't really see that. Like you can obviously go look at porn, but if you're curious and I know a lot of of us have had this growing up at some point, if you're curious how your parts look in comparison to other people's, there isn't like good resources for this. So anyways, that's a really cool resource. If you want to just go look at that just for the sake of that, I found that so interesting and so like healing in a weird way. Um, So that was really beautiful. And I just encourage you guys to talk about that more, like in your friend groups, you know, if it comes up and saying to people like, what do you guys think about that? How do you feel about what it looks like down there. Are you proud of it? Are you uncomfortable when you show yourself to someone? How does that make you feel? And you'd be surprised how many people feel like scared because they don't think it looks right. So again, I would just encourage you guys to talk about it more. And if you know that someone else is struggling with this, you know, send them this podcast, or you think that this is something that one of your friends might be struggling with, or you just feel like you've learned something today, share it and talk about it with people and let it be like the intro to you having that conversation with a friend. I wanted to say as well, if you guys choose to share this with a consistent sexual partner that you're having, you want to make sure that you do trust them. And I'm not saying you can't tell the partners, the sexual partners that you're having that are casual, but if it's something that emotionally is something that's been caused because of a trauma or it's something that is quite personal to you, I would be very careful with who you do trust with this because it is close to your heart. Because I've been sharing from a point of view where I am married and I have a obviously consistent relationship where we were able to work on this together, you want to make sure that you do trust that person. I'm not saying you have to be married, but I'm saying you want to make sure that you are comfortable with that person, that you're going to be able to, when it doesn't work out, when all the things that you try to do to try to make it more comfortable for you doesn't work, that you're able to still tell them like, okay, it actually does hurt and I want to stop. Let's try something else or, you know, let's just pleasure each other in a way that doesn't include penetration today and that you're able to do that for yourself. 
I understand what it's like to feel like you are interrupting sex or you are stopping when they're really enjoying it and that kind of like guilt and that awkward feeling you get. Like I understand how it feels to be there and I definitely felt like that at some point, but I can almost guarantee you that your partner doesn't want you to continue going in those situations where you actually aren't enjoying it or you don't feel good. And of course, you don't need a partner to work through this. That's another thing I wanted to mention is if you want to work on penetration, you can obviously do that with masturbation as well. You don't need a penis to practice this. So if this is something that you've noticed before when you've had sex with people, but you're not currently in a relationship, but you want to work on this and and learn more about your body, then you can obviously do that on your own as well. I hope you guys enjoyed today's podcast. It was pretty detailed, a little bit graphic, so I hope it wasn't too much, but I just wanted to make sure I really got across um, the message and the specifics of what you can actually do and give you guys the information. If you liked today's podcast, like I said, you guys can share it with whoever you think it's going to help. And thank you to everyone who has shared it on their Instagram stories. I always have a few people every time I post one, and that is just so sweet. I really do appreciate it. If you guys want to be a part of the podcast at all, where I go and I ask you questions and share like what I shared today, then follow me on Instagram. It's Alyssa Taylor Harper, and I'll put that in the show notes as well. So you can just click right through there. You can follow on Spotify if you guys are listening on Spotify. And as well, it always really helps me if you leave a rate and review on Apple Podcasts. So if you want to do that, then go do that. And thank you guys so much for listening. I will see you guys in the next podcast. Bye. (laughs) 